Welcome to the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Crispin. Topics on today's episode include the cost of a hedge, my interview with Optimal Blues' Aaron Wester on both product and pricing engines and how pricing in the secondary market flows into the primary market, and a banking crisis averted. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy and hold investors with over $2.5 billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Vizio is fast, simple, and dependable when it comes to financing rental properties. They believe time is money and strive to be upfront and consistent about their qualifications. Using a simple DSCR rather than a complicated NOI calculation, there are no tax returns or personal financial statements, and their pricing is set, so you always know your rate. Learn more, including about Vizio's top-notch broker program, at www.viziolending.com. Home lending is one of the few industries where a customer can lock in a future rate and price. Put another way, if you went to a local gas station or grocery store and told them you wanted to pay now for a gallon of petroleum or milk two months from now, you'd be stared at in disbelief. But the futures market is alive and well with companies and individuals locking in prices for now for things like bacon, orange juice, wheat, cold, and corn in the future, hedging any impact of prices on their profits. There is a cost, usually the bid-ask price spread, the drop in price from one month to the next, and commissions paid in actually trading the contracts. I periodically receive questions about the cost to hedge for mortgage bankers with locked pipelines. It's not an easy question to answer, like the cost of unleaded gas down at the corner. Hedging is a loan-level activity where each loan's program, interest rate, lock period, etc., is analyzed. It's tricky because company policies like extensions and renegotiations enter into it. Specifically, extensions and renegotiations increase it. And while the production team is helped, the capital markets department usually incurs the expense, and the price drop in the securities market often changes during the lock period. Uh, Then there's always the, what is the cost of a loan that falls out? Manufacturing loans faster and bringing loans to market quicker reduces a lender's interest rate exposure to some degree. Thus, the reason bond loans can be issued for some lenders. Unfortunately, I think many hedge vendors look at the problem two-dimensionally when it's a 3D issue. It's not necessarily all speed to originate, but rather hedge model efficiency. What assumptions are being made about the duration beta of the hedge instrument and pull-through broken down by product groups and cross-referencing at what stage in the loan life cycle loans have fallen out in the past. Volatility in the to-be-announced or TBA markets will kill lenders' gain on sale. Lenders can be profitable in a rising rate environment and profitable in a falling rate environment. But sudden swings in the bond market and therefore interest rates will kill you every time and all models break down. So to answer the question, the cost to hedge is constantly changing. Viewed in a vacuum, many companies can say right now their hedge cost is around X dollars per loan, while the market is behaving rationally and pull through acts as it has historically. Though that's also assuming the company's sending loans to the market at the right time. They're using broker-dealers that aren't trying to pick off an additional amount, all the while having a stable best efforts to mandatory spread. 
if you ask a capital markets head in six months how much their hedge is running, they'll no doubt have a different answer. The real value of originating the loan quicker is a reduction in your finance fees from your warehouse bank and not necessarily on your hedge side. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Optimal Blue's Aaron Wester to talk about both product and pricing engines and how pricing in the secondary market flows into the primary market. She serves as the Vice President of Product Management for Optimal Blue, a division of Black Knight. With more than 12 years of experience in the financial technology industry, throughout her career she's built and executed technical roadmaps for many different platforms and products, including loan origination systems, API repositories, and data and analytics solutions. She also has experience managing business implementation and support teams to streamline customer and third-party vendor usage of open APIs as well as embedded integrations. I like to ask people periodically that come on the show how they got started in the mortgage industry because I was actually doing a speaking engagement last week for a mortgage bankers association and they asked me about getting more young people in the industry and I said, look, it's not like there's a targeted major in college for mortgage banking or a defined career path, things like that. So I want to ask you, how'd you get started with your career in the mortgage industry and how's it led you to running Optimal Blues PPE today? I was an international business major and um, studied languages in college. So definitely took a sharp right turn into FinTech. I did start young though. Um, I worked for a loan origination system called Avista Solutions based out of Charleston, South Carolina, ran by Mark and Judy Flieger. Um, that was back in 2010. And I actually interned for them a couple years prior. And that is what started my journey in mortgage specifically, but kept me in fintech for the last you know, 13 plus years. That's cool to hear. So I mentioned the term PP&E and it's product and pricing engine, but for listeners who may be unaware, can you explain what a PPE is and its purpose for originators? Absolutely. So a product and pricing engine, just like most variations of technology, spans the gamut in terms of features that they make their customers available to their customers. A product and pricing engine at its core is a piece of software that will deliver rates and finalized, fully adjusted pricing to the loan officers or the third party originators who are working with the consumer to lock in their rate when they apply for a mortgage. Uh, There is so much more that goes into that. And there are so many different kinds of policies and specific components that go into handling the life of that lock through origination to closing. Product and pricing engines are a little bit unique in the fact that they are truly integrated solutions. They um, you know, cannot stand alone on their own and you know, fully help customers originate. They are embedded in loan origination systems. They are embedded in CRM platforms, point of sale platforms, lead generation platforms. And not only are they on all the different parts of the funnel, uh, they also, product pricing engines also uh, live with that loan through closing. So unlike things like credit or automated writing um, or flood, you know, it's not this one-time order, you get your results back and you're done. The product and pricing engine lives and breathes with that loan as it goes through processing and underwriting. So there are continual touch points to 
make sure that as data in the loan file changes, the rate lock information is accurate. And that's where a lot of the true automation and a lot of the more feature-rich components of PP&E's really come to life. Well, let's talk about one complicated part of that process, and that's the relationship between secondary markets and, and primary markets. And I know it's very complicated, but uh, in the, the time that we have here today, can you explain how pricing is set in the secondary market and ultimately how that flows into the primary market for the, the rates that the borrowers see? Absolutely. I could talk your ear off for hours on that, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll bring, it, uh, bring it up to, to Eagle Eye View here. What happens uh, in one of the core competencies of Optimal Blue is the aggregation of base pricing across investors. Base pricing is kind of step one, if you will, when we talk about final price that a consumer actually sees, a, you know, the average American borrower would see. And that base pricing is derived from all of the different investors in the mortgage space. So that's, you know, uh, big name folks, of course, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, you know, Penny Mac, Fairway. Uh, there, there's a whole bunch of players in that space that derive base pricing. And base pricing is derived in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of uh, tend to go along with the bond market, um, but it really takes into a lot of different pieces that uh, are components that are happening across the American economy. Um, things like inflation. So often with rising inflation, you know, interest rates rise, um, the job market and the unemployment factor into how pricing, base pricing is derived. Uh, but really, the Federal Reserve, even though they don't set mortgage rates, um, they do have a, a heavy hand in accessing kind of these broad movements across the economy that do go into how base pricing is derived. So that base pricing is what is provided to us from the 250 plus investors on our platform. And that is kind of what, like I said, that's step one for the financial institutions who leverage Optimal Blue to process their origination locks. Then once they have that base pricing in their platform, which Optimal Blue automates for them, that's when kind of the, the magic happens on the financial institution side. This is where you know, they can absorb all of the, the adjustments to those prices, which you know, is directly related to the rate that the consumer sees at the end of the day. Um, and a lot of that is also out of the box with Optimal Blue. So there are things like a, a common example is credit score. So based on the credit score for the application, you know, borrowers with a credit score, say higher than 740, are going to have not only the largest selection among eligible products that return, but they typically will have the lowest rates available to them versus a borrower with a credit score, for example, below 620. And that just all goes into the risk evaluation that financial institutions use and leverage to determine what kind of offering that they're going to allow for different uh, borrower profiles. So those low level price adjustments or LLPAs can either be inherited if you're an Optimal Blue customer, because we support all of the, all that content at system level and just kind of feed that down into customer sites. But we also have the ability to overlay that. So let's say an investor is working with and allowing a credit score at 620, but the bank doesn't want to take on that level of uh, risk. They can overlay that to say, actually, the lowest we're going to go for eligible eligibility on this product is 640. 
So that's kind of on the, the front end side, tying back to loan characteristics, credit score just being one of them. There's actually a vast number of different parameters that are evaluated when determining if a bar is eligible for a product. And then if they are eligible, what kind of pricing they will uh, see or receive. And then the other component that is, you know, ever more important is the profitability side. And that's the margin management that is needed for a product and pricing to allow engine to allow their customers to configure their profitability. And in a market like today's where every basis point matters, the dynamic nature of margins, it's no longer, we're no longer in the industry where it's just, you know, a flat percentage that they're going to make on every deal. It could vary geographically, it could vary by loan amount, it could vary by loan purpose. There are so many different creative ways that customers are pulling out every basis point they can as the cost of originating a loan continues to increase while still being able you know, to, to make some profit to be able to or continue to originate mortgages. I think what you're getting at here, though, is that the granularity of pricing is incredibly complex and specific. And so that's that's really where PP and ease come in. And that's your expertise here. So it's evolved a lot over time into this incredibly granular product. And so I, I would say, you know, tell our listeners a little, a little bit, how have PP and ease evolved over the years and uh, explain a little bit just how granular pricing is today. I mean, I know in the secondary market, one basis point or two basis points of, of difference can, can spell the uh, end of a mortgage company versus one that's profitable. Yes, absolutely. That's why we say every basis point matters over here. And it is extremely complex and can be extremely complex. You know, gone are the days of true paper rate sheets. You know, it's not flat pricing anymore. It's very three-dimensional. There are, you know, components that go into effect price. And there's even calculations on those components after price is evaluated to then recalculate price. Um, it can get very, very granular. And the product and pricing engines that are available today can kind of span the gamut of what was once the definition of a PPE versus what now needs to become um, a strong player in the PPE market. So, for example, um, a lot of uh, PPEs come out of the native loan origination system. Um, some of those Products are going to be, you know, baseline kind of table stakes, if you will, and being a PPE. Can I take in a rate sheet? Can I deliver a final price? And can they manually recheck pricing? If I can check those boxes, then, you know, we're good. That's good enough. And depending on the size of an organization, that may fit their model just fine. Um, as you increase in scale and in terms of, you know, number of units you're pushing through monthly, for example, or, you know, you can even look at it from, you know, a total UPB perspective. But as that grows, the maturity typically and the needs typically also grow hand in hand for that financial institution. And that's where standalone PP&Es like Optimal Blue can really, you know, help you know, drive ROI, we can help uh, decrease turn times, and we can help minimize the number of times a human has to come into a file to process anything pricing related. So we have a concept called lights out lock desk here at Optimal Blue. And really what we're trying to do is, uh, you know, provide 
or really allow you to turn off the lights in your in your lock desk room and allow the software to do the work. Our theory and our drive in terms of product development here at Optimal Blue is we hope that we can gain you know the trust in the technology from our customers to be able to allow the configurations that they do inside Optimal Blue to do all the work for them. You know, decreasing human error and and, and risk there when a person has to come in and evaluate different components and allow all of the different very granular policy settings and configuration components do the work for them. And with the maturity of the Optimal Blue platform, you know, we have that capability. So you we've had many years to perfect that level of uh, uniqueness, secret sauce, if you will, that uh, financial institutions can program into their platform. Because everybody, just like anything in mortgage, everybody does everything a little bit differently, uh, which is always crazy to me. As, as heavily as a re- regulated market as we are, there are still lots of rooms for creative, uh, creative interpretations, creative implementations, and you know your software should be flexible enough to allow you to be as creative as you'd like to be. Um, so well, I mentioned those flat file rate sheets, you know, being able to say, here's your rate, here's your price, print it out, have it at your desk, you know, that that was our lives, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, now, when, you know, you need to be more and more competitive, the dynamic nature of pricing is kind of a mind shift from that flat, you know, PDF or Excel file of pricing. It, it grows dynamically based on the specific given origination criteria, application criteria, which is great for the borrower. You know, it means that they're evaluating every component that's specific to their situation and giving them the best price. And that's another thing that PP&Es can do, especially the standalone PP&Es, is the ability to best execute the application criteria to filter and display the results in a way that's easy for the mortgage professional, be them a loan officer or a third-party originator, to quickly glean the best option to provide to a borrower. I think another layer of complication that's been implemented um, and become more and more of a facet in this dynamic nature of pricing are the relationships with investors. You know, back in the day, you may have had a handful of investors that you did business with. But now, especially for those of us who have been around, you know, during um, market turbulation, you know, the the larger investor network you can support, especially as a provider, is important because it keeps the doors open for your customers to be able to constantly reevaluate and change their relationships with what investors they, they do business with, they sell their loans to. And with that, you know, comes into product specializations, for example, you know, the non-QM market space or second liens or home equity lines of credit um, and being able to make sure that I have investors that account for all those different nooks and crannies so I can originate as many loans as possible and still deliver and sell them at the end of the day. So that investor aggregation is important to be able to kind of plug the lender into all of those different Um, avenues that they can sell their loans to. Um, But it's also important on the best execution side, because if I work with 15 different investors, I'm going to have 15 different conforming 30-year fixed products. I don't want my loan officer to have to dig through all 15 eligible products. I want a best execution blend so they know the best product at every rate available. And not only does it make their lives easier, but that all ties back to ensuring that the American consumer gets the best 
product at the best rate available for their specific situation. So I want to bring this all home and and I will close by asking you what sets one PPE apart from another. And and you mentioned things such as ROI, turn times, human touch, best execution. But I would I would venture to guess that any PPE is going to claim that they do those things well. So in your mind, what truly sets one PPE apart from another? And and this is the beauty of technology, regardless of whatever industry you're in. You know, people can build, you can find people out there to build the software. Um, the details that are important that may not be acknowledged during the sales cycle, for example, but you can always have someone out there building widgets. I think what can set a penny apart is that work effect. Uh, becoming a true marketplace, because as I mentioned, PPEs by their nature are integrated some somehow, some way, some fashion um, into other technology. So mainly loan origination systems, but anywhere else, customers want to publish pricing and and, and their eligibility. And the ability to consume and maintain the importance of that kind of base pricing structure. Um, be, having those relationships with, you know, the investor marketplace and becoming a new brand will maintain everything on the investor side for you, letter A, B, C. We will mend, you know, put our stamp of approval on the base pricing and the ability matrices and the, the uh, local investment grids. We'll do all of that for you. So that's an immediate ROI because a, a human's not a person on the their staff is not having to constantly manage all of that, but then also integrate with anyone else on the back end that they need to display that product and pricing to. And at minimum, it has to be their loan origination system. But really, that's also, like I mentioned, you know, top of the funnel, lead generation, point sales, CRM, uh, full-blown portals for brokers or for uh, loan officers, um, all of these different components that you then also expose all that pricing to on behalf of the customer. I think what also sets a PPE apart when you have both sides, that market is going to be the exhaust from all of that, which is really our data products. Um, and, and that's the ability to help customers understand near real time how they benchmark against their competition. Um, because as we were talking about earlier in the complexities of mortgage pricing that could change, you know, the, the drop of a dime, the ability to be agile and the ability to quickly react and have data that drives action is very important. And uh, when you have that network effect and when you have the marketplace footprint, like a company like Optimal Blue has, you can be representative of what is going on in place. So a customer can have those true action-driven data points to be able to manage their business most effectively. Very well put. Aaron, I thought this was a great interview. I think there's a lot of value for our listeners from this. Thanks for making the time to talk to me today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I will um, welcome any other opportunities you want to throw our way and I hope you get get out there and enjoy Colorado. (laughs) Thank you. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve released the results of its annual stress test of banks and Wall Street's biggest banks passed clearing a key hurdle for returning billions of dollars to investors. 
the 23 largest U.S. lenders showed they can withstand a severe global recession and turmoil in real estate markets. Despite a lot of predictions to the contrary, the banking crisis from March seems to have been contained to a few well-known banks. The Federal Reserve Board, which has a lot more analytics and examiners at its disposal than I do, so I'm not going to quibble, released its results of the annual bank stress test. And as I said, it demonstrated that, quote, large banks are well positioned to weather a severe recession and continue to lend households and businesses even during a severe recession, end quote. Of course, not every bank is large, but just so you know, Chase now equals Wells Fargo plus City. Rate-wise, the main economic headline yesterday was Fed Chairman Powell's remarks at an ECB event in Portugal, where he said that core U.S. inflation won't hit 2% until 2025. He also said that there is significant disinflation in the pipeline, but that the dot plot is projecting another couple rate hikes. Fed Chair Powell once again spoke in Europe before the Open to kick off today's economic calendar. And besides Chair Powell, Alana's Bostich is scheduled to speak, and Sweden's Riksbank will also be out with its latest monetary policy decision, where a 25 basis point hike is expected. We've also received the final look at Q1 GDP, up 4.1%, and weekly jobless claims, down to 239,000, which is down 26,000, very strong, with continuing claims and at 1.742 million. The core PCE, or personal consumption deflator, came in up 4.2%. Later this morning brings the pending home sales index for May and Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse a quarter to three-eighths and the 10-year yielding 3.79 after closing yesterday at 3.71%. The two-year is up to 4.84, up 0.13% on the news. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Jim and Carl headed out for a quick round of golf. Since they're short on time, they decide to play nine holes. Jim says to Carl, Let's say we make the time worth the while, at least for one of us, and spot $5 on the lowest score for the day. Carl agrees, and they enjoy a great game. After the eighth hole, Carl is ahead by one stroke, but slices his ball into the rough on the ninth. Help me find my ball. You look over there, he says to Jim. After three minutes, neither has any luck, and since the lost ball carries a two-stroke penalty... Carl pulls a ball from his pocket and tosses it to the ground. I found my ball, he announces triumphantly. Jim looks at him forlornly. After all the years we've been friends, you cheat on me on golf for a measly five bucks? What do you mean cheat? I found my ball sitting right here. And a liar too, Jim says with amazement. I'll have you know that I've been standing on your ball for the last three minutes. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio has originated over 14,000 DSCR loans for long- and short-term rental properties. They offer qualifications based on DSCR rather than personal DCI, so no tax returns or complicated NOI calculations. Through their top-rated broker program, Vizio brokers can earn up to 5%. Learn more at VizioLending.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.